Hi guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I hope you had a wonderful week. I definitely had a pretty full, wonderful week myself, and I'm excited to talk about that a little bit, share some stories, and then this week I thought it would be fun to kind of get into friend dating in your 20s. This has been a topic that has come up a lot throughout this last week in conversation with friends in my own life, so I thought it would be fun to kind of expand and talk more about my own experiences with kind of finding friendships in my later 20s, the do's, don'ts, tips, advice, all of that, and then share some of my more comical sort of, I guess, like horror stories of dating, friend dating. Not, I don't know, not really horror, but like bad time, bad dates, I guess. And when I say the word date, I do mean like platonic first time meeting a potential friend type of date. Um, There isn't really a better term that I can think of besides like hangout, but yeah, I thought that would be kind of fun this week. Um, I definitely have had my fair share of first friend dates and I feel like it's pretty relatable in the sense of, you know, throughout your 20s, you kind of cycle through a lot of friendships, not in a toxic way, but everybody's lives navigate in such different directions in your 20s and you can end up going in a very different direction than somebody that you were friends with in your young 20s or just in terms of jobs, relationships, moves, people can move cross country. I know I've lost a handful of friendships by people moving to different states or even just following a different life path than my own. Um, And it kind of leads you to this point of a really having a really small circle, at least my own experience. And I've talked about this a little bit this week with some friends in my life about how, you know, it kind of seems universal that we all want to make more friends or we, we all want to expand our social circles or have more people in on our um, supportive team. But it seems like Maybe because of the pandemic as well, circles have kind of shrunk. So I don't know. I thought this would be kind of fun, but I do like to structure my podcast episodes if you are new by starting with a little weekly recap. So I hope you had a wonderful week. Like I said, um, last week of May already. I don't know how the F that happened, but here we are. Um, I do have a really good story for something that happened this week. Um, Might as well start there. So, Saturday morning, I don't know if I've shared this story yet online either. I filmed it a little bit for a vlog. I might have made a TikTok about it. I can't remember, but I had the weirdest morning last weekend, um, basically being woken up by the cops at 8 a.m. Very, very random, very weird misunderstanding. Um, That whole day felt odd to me after, but basically... I got a call and it said no caller ID and it woke me up out of my sleep at like 8 a.m. I didn't set an alarm this day. I wanted to just let my body wake up when it woke up. It was the weekend and there was no way I would answer a no caller ID. I barely answer the phone if someone calls unless it's like family or my boyfriend, but yeah, I saw no caller ID, thought it was kind of suspicious, but I ignored it and just tried to go back to sleep. 
immediately after the call ends, it calls back again. No caller ID, calling me again. Now I'm getting a little bit more freaked out, but I'm also so exhausted, like half, not even half awake, just a little bit awake enough to be disrupted. Like I was woken up from like a deep REM, like I was confused. (laughs) So I waited again for the call to end because I didn't want to send it to voicemail. I don't want whoever's calling to know that I saw it. Uh, And then, surprise, surprise, they call back again, immediately. And I'm getting more and more freaked out. I'm feeling a bit targeted at this point. Um, I ignore the call and then, because, I mean, I guess I kind of already spoiled the story, but at this point, I didn't know who was on the other other line. So after that call ends, I get a call immediately again, except this time it has a 612 area code. So it's no longer by a no caller ID user. Uh, Again, I don't know the number. I'm not going to pick up. They call back a couple of times. Then another 612 number calls. Finally, one of them leaves a voicemail message. I'm actually going to pull it up and play it for you so that you can kind of hear what I heard at like eight something in the morning. Um, yeah, Saturday at 8.20 a.m. Hello, it's Minneapolis Police Dispatch calling. We have an officer trying to reach Michael uh, via the phone. Please call us back when you're available to make this report. Thank you. Yeah. So I listened to that after they left the voicemail. Started to get a little freaked out because I had not contacted the police and I didn't know why they were contacting me. I also partially wasn't even sure if it was the police for real yet because it just had a 612 area code. It doesn't say 911. I had no reason for 911 to be calling me and I'm outside of the Minneapolis district so I wouldn't have like the Minneapolis police calling me for something in regard to my home. Um, So I immediately text my boyfriend. I know he's asleep but I just want to tell him what's going on and ask because I realized also that I am my boyfriend's emergency contact on his phone, so if something were to happen to him, the cops would call me. Uh, So I checked, find my friends, I made sure everybody was where they were supposed to be, my family, parents, siblings, my partner Ashton, and it seemed fine. So I really didn't know what this call and voicemail was about. I also had no idea um, what the officer meant by file this report. What report? Um, And if you listened, the name. Why did my name sound so weird? I'm kind of used to people mispronouncing Michaela, especially if it's not spelled out. Like if it's spelled um, with like M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A, that's kind of how this dispatcher said it, like Michaela. Um, But basically at this point, I start to feel like I should do something and I'm awake enough to be a little scared. So I tried calling the non-emergency 911 call, which I believe for Minneapolis is 311, and it was out of service. I don't even know that could happen. I called it twice and they said, you know, this number is not in service at the moment. Um, If it's an emergency, call 911. I didn't want to do that. So I went to the Minneapolis Police Department, like on Google, like with the websites, and I just called the number to the department on Google. Um, no, I didn't actually. That's a lie. I looked it up, but I got, 
I did know I did call it because it sent me to an automated message, you know, where it was like, if this is in regards to whatever, dial one, two, three, four, and it took me through all these options. None of them were correct. So eventually, I don't know why I was so scared to just call back the number, but part of me was still convinced that maybe I was being scammed. Maybe this was some person pr- playing a prank on me. Um, I remember way back in my young 20s, I used to get these calls from guys that I didn't know, like teenage boys, um, pranking me basically. And I assumed it was, I have like so many younger brothers. And at that point I had two teenage younger brothers. So I kind of assumed that it was just one of their friends or something dumb like that. So I was used to, um, teenage boys acting foolish basically. And I, part of me still thought that maybe this was something like that, but also who is playing a prank at 8 a.m. in the morning on a Saturday. So I did eventually call back the number and surprise, surprise, it took me to Minneapolis Police Department. Um, so that was a relief that it was the right number, but also I was still concerned and confused as to why they were calling me. I told the dispatcher basically that I got a voicemail telling them telling me to call them back. I don't know what this is about. She had no idea what it was about either. She transferred me. This other lady had no idea. Transferred me again. I'm just telling the same story that I just told you to so many people. And then eventually this guy, I started listing the numbers, like the phone numbers that called me. And eventually the third guy that they transferred me to says, oh yeah, this is about the auto theft uh, report. (laughs) So for a split second, I'm wondering, did my car get stolen? out of my garage, out of my locked garage that is right, like I would hear it right below me from my bedroom. Um, And he, I start saying, you know, I'm really confused at this point. I'm telling him I just woke up. Did my car get stolen? Um, I didn't like call. I didn't report this. And he goes, wait, is this not Michael blank? He says the full name, but I don't want to give away the name. And I say, no, it's my name's Michaela. And I start telling him like my address. I'm like, I don't, I didn't do this. It's not the right number. Um, and he like immediately hangs up. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry about that. This is like, he says something like, Oh, you're all good. Yeah. He says, Oh, I'm sorry about that. You're all good. Have a nice day. And then hangs up. What the actual heck? I, I, (laughs) I was so baffled by that because first did Michael lose his car or did he steal one? (laughs) And I really hope that he got it sorted out. Also, I cannot believe they had my phone number down on the report. So either somebody didn't confirm, check, or something got lost in translation. Um, But thank God that this was just a small misunderstanding by the Minneapolis police and not a bigger mistake because God forbid that something more dire could have happened. I mean, I don't want to get into um, politics too much, but I think you can kind of get what I'm getting at. Um, the whole department felt like a freaking mess. Like, as you, as I was telling the story, like, no one knew what was going on after they bombarded me with a million calls. And it took, like, six calls before they just left a message. Uh, yeah, hot freaking mess made a mistake and just hung up. It is not the first mistake that we've seen the police, the Minneapolis Police Department specifically make. 
So that was irritating. I was cranky. I lost sleep. I couldn't go back to sleep. I had a headache from being woken out of REM. And it was not the best morning at all. But um, I, w- I went back to listen to that voicemail that I got because the whole time that I got it, I was thinking she said Mika- Michaela, like Michaela pronounced poorly, Michaela. And I listened to it so many times because I'm thinking, okay, if they were really looking for the wrong person, like what are the chances that our name sounds so specific? And I went back and I'm pretty sure that the dispatched officer is saying Michael, comma, uh, like, uh, like we're looking for Michael, uh, so he can file this report. But she said it so fast to the name Michael that it sounded like Michaela, which sounds like Michaela. And that was my Saturday morning. So it was a kind of irritating day and just bizarre and random. And I was cranky, but it was very strange and I hope that they were able to contact the right person, but cannot believe that happened. Um, other than that, I also went to Arter World this weekend in Minneapolis. So I had never heard of this before and I've never gone, but apparently it's like this huge art fair basically across the northeast area of the arts district in Minneapolis. It was so fun. All of these artist studios were kind of open to the public. You could walk through All these artists had their art on display to purchase, and it was kind of like the Uptown Art Fair, but a lot more vendors and a lot more spread out. Live music, food trucks, breweries, restaurants involved. It was so fun. Ashton and I went to that on Sunday, and it was a full day affair. I really wanted to support some local artists, and I got this beautiful clay tray with like butterflies in it. Um, that was done by a local Ojibwe artist and it was her first year at Arter World so it was really special and I'm glad that I could support her and I was telling her how much I loved this butterfly tray. We went on the last day out of like a three-day event I think and she said how she thought it would go so fast um, but it's been there all weekend and now I believe that it was waiting for me to find it. I'm looking at it right now. It's holding all of my remotes on my coffee table right now. Um, But I got that. We also found this really cool used bookstore or used books bookstore. It had a ton of used and old and rare books. I saw so many early editions of books. I bought two. It was so fun. I'm not usually in the northeast area of Minneapolis. I don't really go over the river too much. Uh, So there was a lot to discover and I had so much fun. I realized that like at the art festival, if I, I always think about, you know, people with, people that make more money than they know what to do with. If that were ever me, what would I specifically like waste my money on? And I've realized it's on art because there were so many beautiful pieces of art that I would, would have loved to own. The specific one that I wanted was $8,000, which is why I was saying how if I had like disposable income beyond comprehension, it would be on art, it would be on crystals, travel, um, plants. It's crazy. It's probably a good thing I don't make that much money because I would have come home with a lot more art pieces than I actually did. Um, but we ended up walking miles this day and we ended up at the prize brewery, which is really fun. I do love that brewery. 
Um, but we didn't want to walk all the way back. So for the first, like back to my parked car, for the first time ever, I tried one of those Uber like scooters that you can rent, electric scooters. I've never been on an electric scooter before. And after a full day of walking around in the sun with barely anything in my system besides beer and an edible, you could buy edibles there. I love that. Now that it's legal in Minnesota, well, accidentally legal. Yeah. Art of World, they had tents up that like THC cannabis tents that were selling edibles. It was so cool. So yeah, I was kind of a hot mess. I was probably dehydrated um, in the sun too long and just had beer and half a gummy in me. (laughs) So it was kind of scary to get on the scooter. But once I found my balance, it was so freeing and so fun. I like want to do it again. And I was so afraid because, you know, anxiety does kick in and I'm so afraid of dying and I'm there on the side of the road, not feeling the most confident on the scooter with no helmet and cars driving by. But once you were on it and in it, oh my gosh, best time of my life. It reminded me of when I rode a motorcycle as a teenager, which is like a whole other story. But I was having the best time. Um, I kept singing like Taylor Swift lyrics that were stuck in my head, but it totally summed up the moment. It was from Fearless and I felt so free and so alive all the way back to my parked car, but it was really like the best Sunday. It felt truly like a summer Sunday. So summer has officially been initiated and it is in full, full swing here in Minnesota. Other than that, I really didn't do much. Those were like my two big highlights for the week. Um, I went on a couple of walks with friends, which is always fun. I had a craft night at my friend Anne's place, which was super fun. She had like coasters and a birdhouse and we just sat out on her balcony or patio area and painted and had some girl talk. Really, I just, summer hits so differently. Like these summer nights, going on walks with friends, doing like arts and crafts on a patio. It's so much fun and so much better than winter. Like I truly think I get so depressed and sad and stagnant in winter. But as soon as it's nice out, I feel on top of the world. I'm so much more social. I feel like I have so much more to live for. And there's really nothing you can do about it besides buying one of those sad lamps that you can sit in during winter or, you know, not living here or traveling. But one of those options is more accessible and and affordable than the others. So I guess I'm stuck with just hibernating (laughs) during the dark times. Um, But yeah, my week was pretty fun. I'm actually heading off to Stillwater tomorrow with Ashton. It's just going to be a day trip, but I'm really looking forward to it because Stillwater is known. Well, it's like a really cute old town, river town, But they have a ton of antique stores that I have been dying to go to, as well as some really cool restaurants and this speakeasy that I want to try, and caves. Stillwater has caves. So Ashton and I are going to go antiquing and shopping, try some restaurants, check out the speakeasy, check out the caves, and it's supposed to be like low 80s tomorrow as well, so I'm really looking forward to that. If you're listening to this... The day that it comes out on Friday, I am in Stillwater. So check my Instagram stories. I'm sure there's something up. 
Uh, I also, I, I mean, I haven't yet because who knows, but I'm planning on vlogging as well the day in Stillwater. So check out my YouTube channel as well. I'm trying really hard to like catch up with my content because I love to prep ahead with content, but then I end up getting really behind on YouTube specifically. And the thing with like YouTube content more so than Instagram or TikTok or podcasting is it gets dated very quickly, especially when you're vlogging. So I just finished editing a video that's going up tomorrow that I filmed about a month ago and it looks like it looks like early spring versus summer and I've been vlogging all week and I have to go through those but I, I want to get them up quick because I know that if I wait too long a my momentum is gone to edit and get it posted and b it just doesn't look as recent like you can tell it's been a while so it kind of loses like um part of why the audience might want to watch it, I guess. Like if I'm watching somebody's vlog and they date it like two months before the posting date, it doesn't feel relevant or new or fresh to me anymore as the viewer. And I want to try to avoid that. But also I think it's important to plan ahead and film ahead so that you have content and you're on top of your shit in a way. So it's a fine line. <laughs> it's a daily battle. Not really, but yeah, I do have a lot of content to work on right now um, that I need to get to. But that's been my week and a little bit about this upcoming weekend. It is Memorial Day this weekend. Everyone seems to have plans, including the Trader Joe's employees, because they will just talk. <laughs> they will talk your ear off. I went to Trader Joe's today and three employees asked me what my plans were for Memorial Day. I didn't even realize it was Memorial Day, so whatever. I usually do fib at Trader Joe's because it's easier than just saying no when they ask you like, what are you doing later? Do you have plans? So according to them, I'm having a good old fashioned American barbecue for Memorial Day <laughs> with friends and family that do not exist. <laughs> yeah, it's just easier to shoot the shit with them because they'll talk to you. And I just sometimes it's awkward when you don't have something to say back to them. But yeah, I really don't have plans. I think I might go, go to a winery that I like, do a little double date there. Oh, it's so fun. Um, again, like summer plans just hit different. Everything is more exciting. Um, but like speaking of plans and going out and double dating, friend dating, let's get into today's topic on friend dating in your late 20s, the do's, don'ts, my tips and advice, and some horror stories of my friend dates. Before we get into it, though, why don't we take a quick ad break, starting now. This episode is brought to you by Banish Skincare. I've been using Banish products for almost two years now, and my skin is forever changed. Banish uses natural and clean and fresh ingredients that make your skin glow, clears up blemishes, reduces redness and aging, not only that, but Banish has an at-home microneedling treatment that has truly changed my skin and has brightened my face, reduced acne scars, and helped reduce acne in general. This is not just an ad to me, but I recommend Banish to everyone. It's the only skincare company I will use and have used for years. They have this awesome vitamin C moisturizer that I put on every night and every morning, an oil serum to use after microneedling that helps moisturize the face and reduce redness, 
There's a mint cleanser that feels so good on your pores, a fresh pumpkin enzyme mask, and most recently released, an awesome sunscreen moisturizer with 30 SPF and an anti-aging retinal serum that I love to use before bed. What's awesome is you can get a lot of these products in a bundle that allows you to save money, or you can purchase them individually, but try out Banish today. I have an affiliate link in the description of this episode, as well as a discount code for you. Use code Michaela 10 in all caps at checkout. That's Michaela 10 for 10% off. I promise you, you won't regret it. If you got it, monetize it has been my mantra since 2020, and I firmly stand by it. If you have a talent, skill, or something that you are good at, monetize it. I really believe that there is a way to make money doing what you love. So whether that is crafts, dance, public speaking, or even something like yoga or a sport, there is a way to monetize that. Check out my new merch in my spring shop linked below to rep your passion today in a stylish and cozy hoodie with the motivating reminder of if you got it, monetize it. And to say thank you to my listeners, use code PODCAST in all caps for 10% off. That's podcast at checkout linked below. All right, friend dating. When was the last time you went on a first friend date? And what was your experience like? Was it awkward? Was it fun? Did you end up making a friend? Did you feel like you would never do that again? And how did you meet or hear of each other? Social media, apps, through mutual friends? That is everything we are going to talk about today. I am no stranger to friend dating. I feel like I have been doing this since college, since dating app days. I used to... (laughs) This is kind of like a queer, a closeted queer side story, but um, ever since, oh, now that I'm thinking and saying this out loud, part of me wonders why it didn't click any sooner. But even back in high school, I used to have my dating app settings set to men and girls and boys at that point. I was under 18, but men and women. And I remember if anybody, I don't even think anybody asked, I would just voluntarily tell people this information, but I remember saying that it was just to see what other girls had girls setting on, settings set to, um, that I was just curious what other girls were, had it set to other girls that I knew. And I remember telling like even my therapist this, who is still my therapist today and she's the best. So I'm sure that was a moment where she was like, mm-hmm, sure girl, <laughs> whatever you say. <laughs> but uh, what I'm getting at though is as specifically in college and the year in between. So I went to a school in Ohio my freshman year of college and then I came home and was out of university for about six months. I was, was I? Yes. Yeah. Because for the remainder of that school term, I was out of school and then I went to summer school at like a community college. But there was a period where I was out of college in between my freshman and sophomore year. And that is when I started to use dating apps, um, specifically female queer dating apps to try to find friends. And I think that was a point in my life where sexuality wise, I had started to accept that, you know, maybe I wanted to go on dates with women, but let's start with just friend dates and see like if I pretended to, to go on, like, like play house a little bit. If I pretend to 
play date with this girl? How does it feel to like meet up with a girl? But I think I knew deep down I wanted to like go on dates with women. I just like wasn't quite there yet. But I did start meeting up with people for dates um, at, gosh, how old was I? Like 20, 19, 20 years old. And I'm 28 now. So that is like my earliest memory of going on friend dates. It's with other girls on these dating apps. Um, and I think it took away the pressure too. I was really nervous to make these like queer dating profiles at such a, to me, such a young age when no one in my life knew that I might have been interested in trying that out. And I still remember that my bio on those apps always said something like here to make friends or just looking for people like me because I was so afraid to just come out and say it. And I don't know. I was nervous. I wasn't at a point where I felt comfortable like if people I knew saw it and it was a whole discovery thing in itself. But basically, it was kind of clear from my profile that I was looking to make friends And I know now, especially like being on the dating apps, looking for a romantic female partner, I know how annoying it is when you see a profile that says they're just there to make friends. But I was young. I was a baby. I wasn't even a baby gay. I was closeted (laughs) slightly. I was, I was, I was whatever. But back then I did go on a handful of friend dates from girls that I was talking to on these apps. And I did think that it took off a bit of pressure or weight when it's clarified that, you know, this doesn't have to be romantic. There doesn't have to be that pressure. This is, you know, just looking for friends. We can just see, like, if we like talking to each other. And um, I think it was good for me to try to make friends outside of my normal social settings because at that time, I really was just closest with my high school friends still. Um, But I was working on kind of breaking out of that bubble, I went to a really small private, um, just private school that I had gone to since preschool. So my social circles were very set in place and all my friends that I had were kind of from one part of my life. So I was, it was good for me to try to make friends outside of high school friends. Um, And I kind of just dabbled with friend dates here and there, mostly through dating apps when I think back on um, making friend dates. But what's interesting is the last couple of years, Instagram has actually been how I have... Instagram and TikTok are the two social places or social platforms, I should say, um, that I have found potential friends and have agreed to meet up because nowadays, I mean... I honestly was, it sounds dumb back then that I was meeting up with these girls off of dating apps, especially watching all these shows on Predators now that I watch. But nowadays with Instagram and TikTok, it is a lot harder to um, be catfished because you can just do so much more research on seeing if somebody is actually real. Um, And I just, you know, trusted these girls' aesthetic or their interests or whatever they post. And it kind of gives you a a small idea as to if you would get along. I know you can't, like, um, see the full picture based on social media and what people are kind of presenting themselves as. And you could, like, see somebody's profile and think that you guys could be best friends and then meet up and not get along at all. But it helped, at least. So, specifically the last year... 
I've gone on a lot via a TikTok comment that kind of did well on somebody else's video about making friends. I commented something about like making friends in Minneapolis in like your late 20s and I got quite a lot of hits of people in their late 20s that were open to meeting up and trying to like make friendships out of it. Um, Or they, I sometimes here and there on my Instagram too, I'll post like a story or a close friend story saying something like, um, I'm literally making direct eye contact with my neighbor right now. That was so awkward. She's seeing me holding this mic. She probably doesn't even know what I'm doing. That was really weird. Like all my windows are closed in my sunroom, so I, I hope she can't hear me. She was outside and oh my god. Sorry, I got so scared. And I feel like when I see people staring at me, my response is to stare back so that they know that I know that they're looking, but she probably is wondering what the hell I'm holding and what I'm doing. Anyway, as I was saying, this last year I've gone on a lot via like Instagram and TikTok and um I honestly have no memory as to what I was getting at with that last point. That's basically it. Friend dates. Um, so I made a short list of the do's and don'ts that I recommend for um, friend dating in your late 20s. First, I will say highly recommend, especially if you want to expand your circles. Um, it helps me personally get out of the house do things, have new conversations. I don't think it ever hurts to like meet new people because here's like the thing is you never know where it might go or who this person will be in your life. And I just want to be open to all relationships and opportunities that the universe is putting into my life. And, you know, I've had the craziest connections on these first friend dates before where they would know somebody that like the way we were connected is bizarre, um, but personal. So I don't really want to share it. But um, yeah, I do think it's it doesn't hurt to be open to meeting new friends. And maybe you feel like you already have enough friends in your life. Again, I don't think it hurts to like meet new people. And to me, it's for my mental health and to just put myself out there and try to be more social. It is so easy for me to just shut myself away and talk to like my boyfriend and the one or two friends that I have but you know I think about the people that are closest to me in my life and I realize that I just met them a couple years ago like one of my really good friends met through Instagram well sort of YouTube she found my YouTube channels and then DM'd me on Instagram um she actually asked me out on a date but we became friends. (laughs) And I think about how like important she is in my life and how close we are. And I only just met her a few years ago. So you really never know who could come into your life that you will value that is currently a stranger. Um, Yeah, I feel like I have so many friend dating stories just because I've gone on more friend dates than actual real dates for sure in my life. And it does kind of feel like a date. You will be asking those first date questions. And, you know, I I get the same sort of nerves almost as I did on first dates. I might even get more nervous for friend dates than first dates. But when I think back, I guess I haven't been on like a real first date since 2021, maybe. I, yeah, I guess whenever I met Ashton, but I mean, I met him 
before our first date it wasn't like I met him on our first date and I think like I'm trying to think back to when I met somebody for the first time on that first date because that's like the awkwardness with Ashton I don't know if I've ever really shared the story besides what I I guess it is no I don't know we met because he did my tattoos and so I was already having conversations with him for hours while we were tattooing and I met him with my best friend at the time so he got the banter between us and the vibes were good so when I met up with him to get drinks there were no nerves at that point he had already kind of been considered a friend and someone that I trusted and knew in my life and yeah so it wasn't like an awkward um meetup where you know you're asking like hey like are, are you Michaela and then having to ask those first date questions um but if you are in that situation some recommendations that I have on my do's list would be number one absolutely meet in a public place this one is kind of just a given but <laughs> yeah don't have to elaborate on that just meet at a public place luckily I don't think I've ever been in a creepy situation where I felt lucky that we met in a public place or you know where we didn't meet in a public place and I was wishing we did um if you have a gut feeling like even before you meet someone listen to it and only meet up if you feel good about it I think through 2020 FaceTime first dates have become more and more acceptable um I went on a handful myself in 2020 and since then I feel like people do it more often it saves people time if you don't click on FaceTime you're not you might not click in real life so or if you do really click on FaceTime it solidifies wanting to go on that first date even more um my second do on my do's list is um oh meet okay so it elaborating off of meet at a public place I recommend you know something really casual like coffee or drinks because on a friend first date even like a meal feels too much um first date vibes dinner is great but for friends I don't know I like I like on a date you know you get the tab and either someone pays or you both try to pay or you split it but with friends and I don't know dinner just feels a little too romantic first date so I prefer to do something more casual like getting coffee in the morning if we have a morning that works best but if it's in the evening get drinks go to happy hour I love a good brewery um so uh I feel like coffee is like the perfect a drink and just whatever the drink is, I think it's like the perfect amount of time um, to meet up with someone for the first time. And always have a deadline. Speaking of time, the next thing on my do's list is to always have a time deadline or a reason or basically just like an out, um, like make plans after, but make it a little flexible. So if it's going poorly, you can obviously mask that by saying like, oh, I wish we could talk longer but I am meeting with somebody at 11 or I have this appointment I usually will make plans with my partner Ashton afterwards so that I have that reason or that out if we're just getting drinks or uh, with someone I'm doing dinner with my boyfriend right after or something like that Um, but I like to make it a little bit flexible because let's say it's going really good and I don't want it to end but I don't want to have that that strict time crunch of oh I've got to make this appointment um 
So I usually just tell Ashton where I am and what time I'll be done. But if it's going well, you know, I'll be a little bit later. Um, but that one works pretty well. And it also kind of holds you accountable too, because I get kind of anxious for social events, especially big social gatherings. And it can be overwhelming and nerve wracking. But if I have a deadline, if I know that I just have to be extroverted until a certain time, I'm better because I know that it's temporary. So when I'm on like a first friend date, at let's say I'm there at like 11 a.m. but I have plans at 1 p.m. or I know I have to leave by 12:30. It helps me realize that like, okay, we can get through this basically. Um, but you know they've never really been that bad where I've needed to use it. There have been ones where you know I just had to go get work done or I am meeting up with Ashton. Um, or if they try to like, if it's not going the best and they try to extend it beyond. I went to like happy hour once. And it was fine. It was like a little bit awkward, but I wasn't really feeling it. Um, And they wanted to kind of like bar hop and go to another one after and then somewhere else that was like 20 minutes away. Um, So that was a time where it was like good that I had a reason or plans after where I could say like, oh, I wish I could, but I'm actually meeting up with my boyfriend for this thing or whatever but like make actual plans I don't want to lie I don't want it to sound like a lie make it real Um, and even if it is going well it just kind of like helps condense it I guess Um, but you know regardless whether or not it went well or not the next thing on my dues list is to follow up no matter what like how bad it was or how awkward or whatever Just be nice and send a text saying, it was great to meet you. I had a great time. Like, I'd love to get together again. Or, you know, you don't have to add that last part if you don't want to. But I do find it, you know, polite and nice to not ghost somebody that gave you time out of their day um, and, you know, had a conversation with you. Hey, thank you so much for, like, grabbing coffee with me. It was great talking. Like, I hope you know, whatever it was that you talked about, whether it was like a test or whatever, like, I hope that went well. Have a great weekend at the cabin or whatever you talked about. I think this is so bare minimum to do. And it's something that I have always done when I was dating, like on first dates. I went on this bad first date once with this like middle school teacher man, 2020, I think. It was COVID because we went on a walk around a lake. Really weird. I I remember I couldn't tell if he was shy or if he just wasn't interested. And um, it was still fine. Like, we had a couple conversations and at the end, like, we hugged and, you know, said, okay, like, thanks, like, have a great night. And I knew the whole time that I did not want to see him again, wasn't that interested, zero sparks flying, just wasn't my person, not for me. But I still, once I got home, followed up and said, like, it was great talking to you tonight. Um, Like, I would, whatever. And this man ghosted me and never responded. We both felt the same way. I guarantee it. Like, I was not interested. But I just think that it's bare minimum or the polite thing to do to say, hey, me too. 
that's all it takes. That's all you got to do. It's not that difficult. Mad respect to the people that do follow up. And maybe I was a little bit baffled because nobody had ever like ghosted me before like that. Like I, I always got a text after a first date. So I think I was more so just a little humbled by that. But I do think it's the polite thing to say and to do regardless as to how you felt. That person gave up their time and, you know, was nice to you. So unless they did something really shitty, then whatever. But if they just, if you just felt like it was awkward or didn't hit it off or whatever, still send that text. I always do this with friendships and friend dates. I do think it's really important and helps build like solid communication. And it's just the nice thing to do. Um, that's everything I have on my do's list. I'm trying to think of like good questions to ask too. I did not prep questions, but I feel like there are some really good first friend date questions or topics to talk about. So I'm going to try to brainstorm them as I keep talking, but I have a couple of don'ts as well for first friend dates. The first one, kind of obvious and kind of the opposite of my first do, but do not meet at your place of residency. Yeah, kind of. I wrote duh next to that. Don't meet at your place, duh. <laughs> um, I definitely wait a while before taking someone home. Not even sexually, just like, I don't know. I, oh my gosh, my friend Alana would bring this up for sure, but I didn't give her my cell number even for the longest time because I went through a phase where I was really paranoid to give up my cell phone number because I was... Like I was saying, I was getting all these prank calls and it just felt like so many people that I didn't know had my number and was abusing that. So I didn't want to give out my phone number unless I really trusted someone. But I waited a long time to give out my phone number to Alana and I felt so bad because she even said like at one point after we got brunch somewhere, I think she was like, yeah, like maybe I could have your number. (laughs) I was so like... I felt so guilty. I was like, oh my God, of course, I'm so sorry. But um, going off of that though, what I'm saying is I wait a while before I have somebody over until I really trust them in my space. And it's just one of those pieces of information in my mind where it's like, once you give that out, you can't go back. So if it felt, if you're listening and you've been to my place and it felt like I just gave it to you, like the address nonchalantly it means I really trust you and I see you as a friend because there have been friend dates where I just we could go out to eat a couple of times and they still don't know where I live or any of that but um yeah I don't know and it's like I'm very open to hosting and welcoming people here but I do really have to trust someone and believe that they will be a friend before I I allow them my home um because essentially not to be like the devil on your shoulder here but that's like a stranger that you're allowing into your home and I have to really know that I can trust you in my house before I just open my door to you yeah common sense really the other don't that I have listed is this is more so like a preference but I just think you know don't do anything that requires a reservation this kind of goes off of what I was saying earlier too but I feel like if something requires a reservation, it's a bit too formal. It feels too, like, first date-y. And 
I just, I mean, you can, obviously, like, this is just my preference and recommendations, but that's why I love, like, grabbing a drink or coffee somewhere because it's so casual, and if, as soon as there's a reservation, it just borderline gets too romantic date-esque, and I don't know. I just don't want something too formal for a first friend date because a lot of, like, I don't want it to come off, like, bougie or expensive, and any place with a reservation might be expensive, too, but a coffee, you know, is a couple bucks, and that way there's no pressure to spend a lot of money, there's no excuse or reason if someone needs to cancel because they can't afford it or whatever. Reservation can be fun, but save that for, like, a bougier girls' night out with um, whoever you're seeing once you guys get closer. It'll be a lot more fun, too. It's kind of awkward when you do do something with a reservation and someone gets there first and it's like you have to check in either under your own name or their name and then sit at the table and wait. I've been there. I've been on romantic dates like that and even that is like nerve-wracking. I definitely am someone that will like doesn't want to check in with the host and then you have to tell them too like you're meeting someone or sometimes hostess will like ask you who you're meeting or what their name is or what they look like and if you haven't met them before, don't know, it can be kind of like uncomfortable and then they know what's going on. So I don't know, just a preference. But anything that needs a reservation, I feel like should be saved for a second or third or fourth hangout. The next don't on my list is don't expect to hit it off. Um, it will probably be awkward, like at least a little bit here and there. And that's okay. Like, embrace it. Like, if it's not awkward the first time, then you have found a gem and somebody that you probably really connect one with. I mean, obviously, the best first dates are the ones where they're not awkward at all. But it's okay if they are because I feel like it's just so common and chances are it will probably happen. But that's okay. And if you go into it expecting it to be a little bit awkward then you're not let down. And I feel like it's less awkward if you expect it to be a little awkward. Those like long, silent pauses, they're going to happen. It just means that you're both trying to think of like what to say next. Um, Especially if you've been out of like the dating world for a while, it can be really nerve wracking, but I wouldn't go into it with any expectations really. Just go into it open-minded and aware that it could be a little awkward. Um... But hey, embrace it. I totally am not bothered by it. I mean, I've been on friend dates where there were a few awkward silences, but it is what it is. Um, I usually, I'm pretty good, I feel like at this point, of navigating conversations and thinking of questions on topic to keep somebody talking. The thing that people love to do the most usually is talk about themselves. So once you get a topic going, ask more about them. I'm trying to think of an example, but it's really hard without somebody, like, to bounce off of. I wish I had a co-host to role play with me real quick. But if I'm on a first friend date, you know, I think the big, like, once you get there and it's all, like, how was your drive? Did you find parking easily? Talking about the drink, you know, either, like, oh, I love this coffee shop. I come here a lot. Or I love IPAs. Or have you been to this brewery before? Whatever it is that's usually how it starts, you know, and then it's, what do you do? I mean, these are, I don't want to, like, bore you with, like, how a conversation usually goes. I feel like I don't, (laughs) I'm on the borderline right now of mansplaining it to you, but um, just trying to find a follow-up question about whatever it is that they're saying that makes them 
like gleeful and excited to talk about more, I feel like that helps so much. Um, now I've been on friend dates where I've done this and I've asked them so many follow-up questions. I could tell you the color of their kitchen and the names of their coworkers down to like the hours that they work and who they like to work with. Like I am good at that. But after that date of this one, I realized that they didn't ask a single question back to me. And I don't know if they were just nervous or if they already knew the answers based on my social media or if they just didn't care. But that was something that I did think about afterwards where I was kind of like, huh, not like, I don't know, it kind of like rubbed me the wrong way because I was asking all these questions and they didn't ask anything in return, but I'm trying not to overthink it because maybe they didn't even like think to ask a question, but I do think it helps the awkward silences just to keep asking questions about them in a situation or bringing up like mutual topics or what they have planned that night or that weekend or that month. Travel is always fun. If you have any travel plans coming up, where have you been? Where was your favorite place to travel? Um, yeah, I, if I'm feeling extroverted, I can be very extroverted. So I do feel like if you talk about the other person more, they like you more too, because you show interest in their interests. Um, but yeah, I also have a list of like some favorite first friend date places that I would recommend. I feel like I've talked about them so far, you know, late morning coffee somewhere, brunch, um, a good brewery. I love a good, I also hate that word though, because I have a hard time saying my R's, but a good brewery. It's so casual, so fun. I love a good pint of beer, um, but also not everyone drinks that you go on first friend dates with. And if they don't, coffee it is, or happy hour, like food wise. And now that it's nice out, a walk is so sweet. Like I would go for a nice walk right now around the lakes with somebody um, and that's really chill and casual, and that does have, like, a start and finish, you know, because once you loop that lake and you're done, you're done, and it can be as short or as long as you want it to be. You get some exercise, fresh air, there's people all around you, and yeah, right now in summer, I think that would be, like, my go-to first friend date option would be if they wanted to go on a walk somewhere. Um, I love a good walk, um, but yeah, those are, like, my top kind of, like, ideas if I'm meeting up with somebody that I'm comfortable with, just anything casual and, you know, limited to like an hour or two, I feel like is a good time. But other than that, I also just have a note of, you know, be aware of age gaps and cultural differences. The age gap one gets me. The older that I get in my late 20s, the bigger the gap is between younger 20s. And if somebody is 23, I most likely won't have that much in common with them and won't like be able to have a conversation. It depends on how 23 they are. But the older that I get, the more I realize that I'm not that compatible with people in their younger 20s for the most part. And, you know, it's something that like I would like to know before meeting up with somebody. But I'm sure if I were their age, um, we would get along but now that I'm not, I just like, I see it too much. I can see the age gap more than before. So just being aware of age gaps, trying to find people my own age. This goes for like older than me too. Um, because I, I'm technically a millennial and I know in a lot of ways I am millennial, you know, like my hair will always be parted to the side. 
I own leggings and skinny jeans. I don't always wear the skinny jeans. Like I've got flare jeans too, I promise. But naturally, I'm a millennial, but I do think that I blend into Gen Z pretty well. Um, but sometimes if I am meeting up with somebody in like their young 30s, they are just like too far millennial for me to get along with or like feel compatible with. Not like get along with, but like have things in common. Um, so age gaps both ways. I do feel like if I can find somebody my exact age, it usually works out perfect. But then again, a lot of people my age are married and or have babies, so priorities are just different. And that's what can make it kind of harder to find friends my age. But hey, that's why we're all going on these first friend dates, right? Um, I feel like I've shared a couple of stories here and there as I've been talking, but I made a couple of notes of one just a couple of little horror stories. I will say it was harder than I thought to think of horror stories from first dates, which I guess is a good thing because it means most of them went pretty well. But the most recent one does come to mind. And I know that I've shared this before because it was so recent and on my mind. Um, but one of the last ones that I went on before I was kind of thinking like, okay, I need to take a break from this because I'm drained is, and that's another like recommendation I have, I guess, is don't overdo it. Like if you have exerted too much, it's okay to like take a break from dating. Um, but recently I met with somebody who was 45 minutes late and it was one of those things where the communication was just slightly off, but I had thought that they were there earlier than they were based on the messages. And I sat there and we were supposed to have brunch. And I just sat in this restaurant by myself going through a cup of coffee for almost an hour before they showed up. And I was getting really hangry because it was supposed to be like 11 and they got there at 12 and I don't want to have caffeine too late, but I also like have a deadline. Like I've got to get home to work. So I was just very hangry and irritated for so many reasons. And I felt like my time was being disrespected. And I realized that if this were a romantic date, I would have left. I And I've never been that aggressive, but I definitely would have just left because at that point it was just too late. But because this was a friend, I felt the need to, you know, um, like not do that. I, guess. I wanted to be nicer and like give them a chance, but it was one of those times where I knew in the moment I was not going to go on another first friend date for a while because it just was not a pleasant morning and it kind of like ruined my day a little bit. Um, there was also this time where I went out with somebody on a second friend date or a friend's second date, second friend date, second time meeting this friend and they, it was sort of like a group setting. There were like a couple of people there. So part of me was nervous because I'm meeting more friends, but also I was, you know, trying to tell myself this is good. Like you never know who you'll meet tonight. Like it could be a new friend, always, you know, a good thing to meet people. So it was fun, but the friend that I was trying to get to know got way too drunk to the point where like, I couldn't even like really hang out with her. Um, and I just was not about that anymore. So we're fine, I guess. But that was another night where I, I had almost, I, I guess I don't really want to have regrets, but it was one of those nights where I was thinking, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have agreed to this because this is not my scene anymore. Um, 
Oh, and then there was this one friend date I went on a couple of years ago. This one wasn't with like a complete stranger. I did sort of know this person or know of this person. Um, And there were some hesitancies going into it. Like my friend at the time also knew this person and she was saying how she thinks that they just want to like meet me to meet me. This was at a time in like 2020 when all my socials were like peaking and I was kind of getting like a lot of attention that I wasn't used to and some people were coming out of the woodworks for sure and we had like a we had a thought that maybe this person was kind of like using me or just like wanting to say that they know me basically um based on their like interests or like behavior so far but I was open to it. I thought they seemed sweet. I gave them a shot and they were really, really sweet. Um, We met up for happy hour, but my thoughts were confirmed because as soon as I sat down, they like immediately snapped a boomerang and tagged me and posted it on their story and then kind of like encouraged me to do the same thing, like politely insisted almost of like, oh, like you should post one now or do you want me to post one for you or take it for you? And you know, you're kind of, like, put in this position of pressure where you feel like, oh, okay, well, they took one. I guess I'll take one of them back. And I posted it, and she, like, reshared it immediately. And I never heard from this person again. Met up once, did the little exchange, and that was that. So I, like, walked away from that night, like, thinking, yeah, they, like, definitely used me just to, like, say that they know me or whatever. And my friend kind of, like, reaffirmed that. I don't think I'm anybody that you could do that with. Like, I have the biggest imposter syndrome ever, but I did understand that at this point, everything was high. Like, I, my, my channel was growing. All my social media was growing thousands per day, and I was getting a lot of, of like, new social media attention. Um, so, this kind of just came in that rush or that peak, and it was not the best feeling. And that's something else, too, that I'm kind of aware of. Um, because of my social media presence, I don't like to tell people that necessarily when I'm trying to meet new friends and depending on how I know them, if I can, I will fib like first dates. I used to tell people, it depends, I guess on who it is, but there are some people that I said, you know, I was very discreet with and I would say, oh, I like I'm in marketing or I'm self-employed right now, but I will, I wouldn't like want to talk about it. Um, With Ashton, he already knew. Like, when we got drinks, he was like, so what do you do? And then he said, I know you do OnlyFans, but, like, besides that. Because he followed me on Instagram, and I post a lot about it, and he saw my YouTube channel. So he, like, already knew what I do or did, but he was kind of just asking if there was anything else that I did beyond social media. Um, But even now, like, at the grocery store today, Trader Joe's, the freaking Trader Joe's employees just trying to get everything out of you. Um, they, the guy asked me like what my job was because I was shopping on like a Thursday afternoon. And this guy, I don't know, he's pretty chatty, but he always will ask me questions. He remembered that I moved because I like lied and told them that I just moved a couple times ago when I was at the store. And, um, I mean, it's sort of true because I was saying how I live further away from Trader Joe's now and I'm so sad about it, but I moved two years ago. Anyway, he remembered that, so he asked how my new place was, and 
he asked me like or he said something like oh so you must be off today huh and I just said yeah it's nice and then he asked what do you do again um and I told him oh I do like marketing and that's it that's all I said I don't want anybody really to know um so for first dates or when I'm meeting friends if they don't really know it depends I might be a little bit more vague with it um because it's if I was meeting someone I don't know I have to put myself in like their shoes if I was meeting someone and they said like oh I'm a youtuber I would probably actually think that's cool I do usually tell people what I do but it just you know depending on the energy is how specific I'll be um usually I don't say anything about OnlyFans off the bat unless it comes up um (laughs) when I met Ashton's apartment neighbors, um, it's like this girl and her friend was over. I was hanging out with them once last summer and this was like the first time I'd ever been in her apartment and we were just like talking and she asked where I lived and if it was an apartment and I told them, you know, like, no, I got a house and she asked what I do or how I was able to buy the house and I said like oh social media like I have a YouTube channel and they were saying that's cool but it was also kind of like empty you know like that didn't really answer their questions so then after like a long pause I said and I also have an OnlyFans (laughs) and they like erupted into laughing and support and I got a high five and they were like that is so cool hell yes and you know of course like the conversation usually always goes into like, damn, should I start an OnlyFans? But yeah, I, um, depending on who I'm talking to, I feel like I'm a bit more discreet with what I do. Um, but if I'm meeting somebody who found me through Instagram or TikTok, they're aware of the following, which sometimes if they are, and some people are like already a follower of mine. Oh, that's what I was getting at like an hour ago when my neighbor was walking by. Um, there's that pressure of if somebody already is a follower and they want to hang out, I'm open to that. And it that's what I was saying, though, with um, there is almost like added pressure of making sure that I don't have to reschedule or making sure I'm not late or making sure that I'm really like nice and sweet because they already have this idea as to who I am based on my social media. So I just wouldn't want to come off short or rude or anything that I don't think really reflects me, which is why that one time when somebody was 45 minutes late, I knew they followed my socials and I just like didn't want them to know I was upset that they were late. So I wanted to like be nice about the situation um, and wait and whatever. But um, yeah, I don't always like to let people know what I do because I think it can shift somebody's persona or opinion or honestly like social climbing is something I'm aware of too because I've seen it happen time and time again in the YouTube community and I just want to make sure no one is using me for my platforms been there it has happened a lot and it's not the best experience but yeah those are like my do's don'ts tips and experiences with friend dating in my 20s um I think I said everything about the topic that I want to say, but I hope you enjoyed. I hope this was helpful. Let me know if there's anything else on this topic you'd like me to talk about, but that was a look into my experience, I guess. And now that it's summer, I'm definitely open to friend dating again. I took a little break since that last one, but 
I feel extroverted, I feel happy, I feel ready to go out there and meet some gals. Um, and especially like with the Taylor Swift concert this year, I already feel like I'm going to make friends and I'm, I, I want to make more friends. Oh, speaking of, I think I'm joining a book club as well. So again, manifestations just to the max coming true because that was something else that I was thinking would be cool if I was in a book club to be able to meet people and be held accountable socially to like have that social interaction time but then also being held accountable to read what a win-win and book clubs usually have other introverts that like reading like me so again it would be like my crowd my type of people really with all that being said though shall we move on to some tv shows and movies that i have watched this week Eventually, I will include books. Like, speaking of book clubs, you know, I did get a book in the mail this week that I'm excited to start called Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It's kind of like a third book out of this, like, Evelyn Hugo world, but it's not really about Evelyn Hugo. Um, I'll let you know how it is, though, once I start it. I'm waiting for Firefly Lane to arrive. I ordered that book, and I'm so excited to start reading it. It should be here in, like, Today's Thursday. It should be here on Tuesday. So I'm holding out. My next book that I'm reading is going to be Firefly Lane. It just has not arrived yet. But I did watch a handful of um, TV shows and movies this week, usually with Ashton, that I would recommend and want to chat about. I love this section because as a listener, uh, I'm always taking notes on like podcasts that I'm listening to. If somebody like recommends something, it like... The worst is when you sit down and have feel like you have nothing to watch, and it happens way too often with me and Ashton, so I definitely take more of a mental note of things that I could watch with him um, from podcasts and YouTube videos that I watch and listen to, so take note, because here is what I watched this week and whether or not I would recommend it. So, uh, the first thing that I watched with Ashton is the college admission scandal documentary on Netflix. I had sort of been wanting to watch this. I mean, I felt like I was pretty familiar with what it would be about, which was the only reason why I wasn't sure if I would enjoy it, because ever since Olivia Jade and Lori Laughlin's scandal came out a few years ago I kept up with the case so like I felt like I knew most of it but it was honestly really good and Ashton was not familiar with it so it was nice to kind of watch it with him and be able to add stuff that I knew to talk to him about um it was done in a a unique way because it was all like reenactment um but I had no idea kind of like how slimy some of the conversations went I don't know if this was just me but I definitely kind of assumed that that was how rich people got into places anyway. Like, I know it's bad, but I didn't realize how illegal it was. Like, even my alma mater has, like, certain portions of it named after big last names in the school that have, like, a lot of money and send all their kids to the school and have, like, gyms or, like, sections of the school named after their family name. I just kind of assumed that's what people did for colleges where they just donate a ton of money and their kid magically gets in. Um, I'm not okay with it, but I I didn't really realize how bad it was until they broke it down in the documentary. I will say we both fell asleep the first time we watched it at like 1 a.m. It's one of those documentaries where it's so monotone that you will pass out. Um, So I went and rewatched it the next night 
just the parts that I slept through. And yeah, it was good. It was definitely like intense, but like in an educational way. Um, Ashton and I usually watch something when we hang out. I promise I don't, I usually like don't watch this much TV shows and movies on my own, but just when I'm with my partner. The next night that we had a sleepover, we watched the Anna Nicole Smith, You Don't Know Me documentary on Netflix. Oh my gosh. I highly recommend this. It was so good. Actually, I was watching it by myself one night and I got like 30 minutes into it and realized how good it was. And then Ashton, who I was texting, um, said he was he wanted to watch it. So I, I stopped and I watched it with him the next night. It's long. That's the one thing. We were struggling near the end to stay awake, but we were determined to finish it. So just start early. It is like two hours, I'd say. So it's a longer one, but it is so good. I was not that familiar with Anna Nicole Smith's life. I only really knew the one Nicki Minaj song lyric from, gosh, what song is that? Where she, is it Check It Out? Where she says, rest in peace to Anna Nicole Smith. Yes, my dear, you're so explosive. Say hi to Mary, Mary and Joseph. I think it is Check It Out. It's like an old 2010 song, but that song lyric is like the only thing that I was really familiar with. I knew that she was blonde and young and died in Hollywood. Um, I didn't know how recently she passed. Like she died in 20 or 2007. For some reason, I thought she passed away earlier in the 2000s, but there was so much in her life that I didn't know about that blew me away and it's just a, one of those documentaries that does a really good job at taking you through, like, the life, you know? They were born here. This is how they got their foot in the door to Hollywood and every all the scandals, the relationships. But it was done in such a real way that makes you really emphasize with her and understand. And, I mean, I know there was controversy with her marriage to that one billionaire. I don't want to give it all away, but... After watching the documentary and, like, seeing the video footage, I really do believe that she loved him now. And before, like, when you see it, you're like, oh, my, it's kind of jarring. <laughs> but, like, I, I get it, I think, because that guy, like, she probably really trusted him knowing that he wouldn't hurt her the way that other men had based on, I don't want to give it all away, but I can see how she would think that he was sweet and soft and trustworthy and wouldn't you know, let anything bad happen to her and that he would really take care of her. And with all that in mind, I think that makes you love someone at times. So I really did love this documentary and it is so sad. I also did not know the details around her last few years of life. I had no idea about her, specifically her children and what happens, you know, or I mean, it, it's one of those documentaries that gets you to Google searching so many things after you finish it. I was looking up pictures and dates and where are they now type of things. And yeah, it was it was a great documentary and I think it helps you kind of see things with an open mind. And um, I'm really glad they had some people that were close to her in her life interview in it, especially one of her good friends, Missy. That part was so cool um, to hear and have and it also hurts because you see people that were her age that were close to her and kind of what they look like today and you realize like if she were still alive she would only be 
however old, you know, in her 40s or 50s, and she would probably look similar to that, but she didn't get that chance, and it's heartbreaking. Um, Yeah, that's one of those documentaries, too, where if somebody wanted to watch it that I was hanging out with, I would watch it again. It was that good. The next thing, I almost didn't want to put this on my list because I'm ashamed to say that I watched this, but Ashton has kind of brought it up here and there. And it's it's one of those dumb comedy movies from like the earlier 2000s, but I don't know. He's brought it up a few times and said that he was surprised I hadn't seen it. So I just kind of bit the bullet and we watched it casually. I was not that engaged in it, but we watched Dodgeball. I don't know if you've heard of that. I did not hear of it until dating Ashton, but um, it's one of those classic early 2000s films with like the same cast that just rotates through comedies. Um, It had like Ben Stiller, Jace, that's the only name I can think of, Jason Segel, I think. It was like all of them, basically. Um, But what's really interesting that I did not know in the film is that the blonde girl who she's been in Arrested Development, she, oh, she played, she played Marsha on the Brady Bunch, uh, which I also didn't know until I was looking up the cast. So Marsha from the Brady Bunch is in this and there's Ben Stiller plays this guy that like tries to get with Marsha and she's not interested. And I look it up and they're freaking married, man and wife, like that is so funny to me. And they have kids. And at the time of filming, they I mean, I just don't know much about their personal lives, so I had no idea. Um, I didn't know he was married to Marsha from the Brady Bunch, but how funny would that be as a kid to see, like, your mom and dad in a movie and the way that their characters interact with each other? I don't know. It was cool. I think that would be kind of fun to, like, be in a film with your husband like that. Um, so that's my only take from Dodgeball. Um, then the next night, um, we had a lot of sleepovers this week. Ashton was off of work. So it's just something that like we just put on a show before bed. But when I'm not with Ashton, I never really watch movies or TV because I edit before bed instead until I fall asleep. But, um, the next thing that we watched this week, this is also kind of a shitty movie. I think it was called 47 Feet Under. It's that Netflix shark horror movie which if you are not the biggest horror fan like myself I could handle this film minimal gore the budget Ashton was saying that the budget must have been really low because they don't show a lot you know like there's this really computerized shark that chomps somebody away but you you don't see much of it And that's why I could watch it because it wasn't graphic. It wasn't gory. There's one, there's one part where there is like a floating body part that you kind of see, but you see it coming. So I had already closed my eyes. I was like, I'm going to see it. It's going to be there. And it was there. Nice little jump scare. And that's it. Um, But I like how Ashton was like, yeah, the budget must have been low. (laughs) Um, It was, it was good for what it was. And it I mean, I definitely had my eyes peeking, like, through my my hands for parts of it, but I just don't like jump scares. Um, And this is one of those films where there are jump scares. Basically, it's, like, a horror film where these girls um, decide to go scuba cave exploring 
Um, so they're underneath the water with limited air supply in this ta- in this cave. And wouldn't you believe it, there is this huge blind shark down there that's just eating everybody in sight. And it's like the class, and you kind of like immediately off the bat, like I called who was going to die and live. And I kind of knew that, like, it's so easy to call sometimes in these movies. But it was one of those classic graphic, not graphic, classic horror films, you know, where the shark comes and chomps people every so often. And then there's a big finale scene which Ashton fell asleep during the film and when it was over and he woke up he was asking like what happened and I was telling him and I was laughing through it saying how this doesn't even sound believable like what I'm saying doesn't even sound like the movie we're watching <laughs> but it it happened um it'll hold your attention though I guess is what I'm saying like it's 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 not that great, but it's also not that bad. So if you need something that will give you like a little a little bit of spice, a little bit of like scare, it's not that bad. It was on my homepage for months. So it was one of those things where I knew we were going to watch it eventually. Might as well just try it tonight. And yeah, it wasn't that bad. It was kind of enjoyable. So I didn't mind it. Um... The other night, Ashton and I watched the movie Missing that just came out on Netflix as well. I really liked this film. It was one of those films that were shot strategically, like where you're only looking at a computer screen. It's very, very similar to the film Searching that came out in 2018, I believe. That one was, again, you're just looking at a computer screen, webcam, emails, home video type of movie and that one was about a a dad looking for his daughter so I part of me was afraid that this was almost like a remake remake with the same plot but it wasn't it was um I mean it's similar somebody goes missing but I do appreciate the creativity um and innovativeness that comes with the challenge of filming something that is just a computer screen how can you implement like different screens and forms of communication to be able to supply a foundational film plot and that part was really cool it it also kind of like has a lot of gen z smartness to it you know there are parts where i'm thinking i would not think of that i would be dead right now but it's crazy how much technology stores and saves and films and listens to us and it was kind of like um a plot using that um, to both find somebody and then escape and get out alive. But I thought it was really good. I guess I wouldn't say it's really good, but it was good. I would recommend it. And, you know, I like when Netflix drops something new. So that one seemed pretty new. It came out this year and we watched it. We We got it. We snatched it right up. And, okay, the last thing I want to talk about is a TV show that I've kind of been watching here and there when I need something on, not need something on, but when I'm cooking or eating dinner or wanting to watch something before bed. I started this two nights ago, but I've seen a lot of clips of it on TikTok, which is why I wanted to start it. It's on Hulu. I think it's also on Discovery Plus and a few other streaming sites, but it's called Undercover Underage. It's kind of like How to Catch a Predator. I thought it was that at first based on the TikTok previews, but then when I looked it up, I realized it was not the same show that I was thinking of. 
it's the same concept except it's like a this woman is running a team and they're um creating these fake online profiles of these decoy underage girls to bring in pedophiles basically and then meet them and arrest them but I like I mean if I'm sure I'm sure you might have seen the previews on TikTok and great advertisement on their part if they're the ones putting out these TikToks because now I think everyone is watching the show there's two seasons it's really recent the first season was filmed in 2021 so they use like TikToks even to get um um pedophiles to like view their dances or whatever and build a believable profile of like what a 14 year old might actually act like or post and I like that it stems from like a a woman with daughters and kind of like why she's doing it and there are some like heavy scenes where she's crying but it I mean it won't make you feel good in the moment it's really gross some of the stuff that you have to hear and see but it's making a difference and they're preventing these men because once they identify whoever they are they can arrest them and it's preventing these men from being able to do that to actual teenage girls and oh my god this episode I was watching last night they're like they meet up with them because they have to ID them right so they're trying to get a license plate or like sometimes they meet up to make the arrest and the episode I watched last night She's, like, meeting up with this guy and saying, like, I'm in an Uber, like, I'm almost there, like, what car are you driving? And he told her a certain car, I think he said, like, black Toyota or something, and then they show up to the establishment and he gets out of a white van, like, a literal white freaking van, um, could not be more, like, what is it, nail on the head with that? I think they were meeting at a candy store, too, when he shows up in a freaking white van, So it was like one of those scary moments where first he lied about his vehicle and he just looks even more suspicious, but also what are his intentions and why did he show up in a van and why did he lie about it? It just scares you. And I think it was either undercover, underage, or it was how to catch a predator. I saw it on TikTok, but there was this one episode where they were so convinced the guy had a gun and then after they made the arrest... They searched his car and found, like, rope and duct tape and a gun and, like, all these things that could really harm someone with. I can't remember details now, but it's so terrifying because it's like, if this wasn't a sting, he was going to kill that girl. And you do, oh, you feel icky watching it, but it's one of those shows where it's good. Like, you want to watch it. So, I'm currently making my way through that series here and there when I have time but I love it. It's my little guilty pleasure moment. Um, But I have been rambling so long. This is a longer podcast episode. Um, I guess I'm feeling chatty today and I had a really good week and a good mental health week and there's so much to say, but I'm actually heading to Ashton's place tonight so that we can head to Stillwater in the morning. So follow me on Instagram, follow me on YouTube. I will be posting updates on that, but I really hope that you enjoyed this week's podcast episode. I had so much fun chatting about everything, honestly, and I'm excited to tell you guys all about Stillwater and whatever else happens next week. But I hope you have a wonderful week and I will chat with you next Friday. Bye!